Hi there, welcome to Glenlyden Baptist Church's podcast network. We're glad you can join us today. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us on our website, www.gebc.org.nz. We hope you enjoy the pod. Hey, what do you, um, what do you think of when you hear the word slave? Would it be good to be a slave or bad to be a slave? Bad to be a slave? Would you grow up wanting to be a slave? Any parents here who would like their children to grow up to be a slave? No? When I think of slavery, I, I think of two people groups, right? I think of, I think of my days studying U.S. history, um, the African-American people pulled out of their homelands, loaded onto ships, auctioned off, and treated as lower than animals. Um, we've probably seen some movies. We will have heard some of the stories. Um, it doesn't seem like it was a very positive experience for these people. It wasn't. Um, and, and the other people I think of when I think of slaves um, were God's people in the time of Moses uh, and, and before Moses, how the Israelites had been welcomed into Egypt uh, because Joseph had found favor with the Pharaoh, uh, being able to interpret his dreams. Uh, he, he warned the Pharaoh of a coming famine and helped them gather the bountiful resources that they were experiencing so that when the famine came, they had enough to endure uh, this, this season. And the result was that, that God's people came into this land and they started to multiply. And as, as Pharaohs changed, they saw a threat to their land. Um, so they changed the law and they enslaved the non-Egyptian people. And, and, and most of you here will probably know those stories, and, and these are the stories of the slaves who built the pyramids um, and, and who worked hard all hours of the day and treated poorly until Moses came and brought God's message and power that they were no longer to be slaves of Pharaoh, and he was to let them go. That's where my brain goes when I think of slaves. Historical places. One reasonably close, um, and one so far ago that I can't even fathom what it would have been like, and, and it's probably hard for you to fathom too, unless you have been to Egypt um, and seen uh, the wonders that were built. But that doesn't mean that slavery doesn't exist today. Slavery does exist today. But for some reason, that's not where my brain automatically goes. Maybe because we can live a life here where we don't need to know about slavery. It's not in our face, so we just don't consider it a thing. But in Rome, when Paul is addressing the people in this letter that we will read, 40% of Romans, 40% of Romans were slaves in one form or another. You could, you could even sell yourself into slavery uh, by choice to avoid debt. Slavery was as common as road cones and speed bumps in Glen Eden. You couldn't walk down the street without encountering them. You couldn't go a week without complaining about them. You couldn't imagine a life without them. And in fact, if we were back in that time, a whole lot of us would actually be them. 40% of us would be those road cones, slaves. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin 
and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm using this everyday example because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at the time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This week we follow on from last week's passage with the second part of Romans chapter 6. Last week we focused on baptism that comes with being a believer, symbolizing our death to the old life, the life of sin, and being resurrected into a new life led by and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We are no longer under the law, no longer bound by the law. The law was the covenant that God had made with his people from the time of Moses until Jesus. The law showed us what we lacked. The law showed us that we couldn't live a holy life, a righteous life, a life worthy of being followers of God. But time and time again, people tried to, and time and time again, under that law, they stumbled, realizing that they couldn't do it alone. When they tried to do it alone, they were useless. They realized they were useless, and they came back to God, realizing their reliance on Him, and then they forgot and continued the cycle again. But now Jesus had come. Jesus had come and fulfilled the law. He had lived the perfect life. He had lived the life that the law required and had even shown that where human interpretation of the law was a really low bar that humanity still couldn't reach, Jesus fulfilled it in a way that God intended it. And Paul is reminding us that we're invited into this new type of life. We are no longer bound by this old way of living. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are free from sin. You have been set free from sin and become slaves to righteousness. We have been set free. We have become slaves to one another. I love what Paul says in verse 19 because it helps me feel a little bit better about not really understanding this. I am using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. That's probably the verse that I understand the most in Scripture, that I have human limitations. We can identify with that, right? There's a level that we just can't get to. We might not understand slavery, but we can all appreciate that we have human limitations. And while we in the West and New Zealand can appreciate that we are no longer slaves to sin, and we see that as a good thing, which it is, being told we are now slaves to something else, it doesn't really sit that well with us. It doesn't really sit that well within the makeup of our culture because now humans prize their autonomy. The most successful, successful humans in the world's eyes, they can do what they want. They're their own bosses. And from the time of the Enlightenment period, the most noble of humans is the human who is subject to no one or no thing except the things that he or she desires for themselves. I'm not subject to a boss. I'm not subject to working hours. I'm not constrained by financial considerations. I can do what I want, when I want, where I want, and how I want. And I'm not so sure that goal isn't a goal that 
hasn't actually slithered into the church, hasn't actually slithered into the individualistic way of thinking. I mean, I'd love to not be, have financial constraints at times. I'd like to not have a boss at times. Hey, Gary. <laughs> this is the opposite message that Paul is saying. You are no longer slaves to sin. You're no longer slaves to the Mosaic law. But nowhere does he say, and nowhere in Scripture does it say, now go off and live your own way and do your own things and become your own person and do things your way. Because all that is doing is leading us right back to the story in the garden where Adam and Eve chose their own way. And their freedom, and their freedom of choices, they sought to become like God. And in the story of Cain and Abel, the first brothers, we see Cain who wanted to do things his way and follow God his way, and that didn't end up so well for him, and it certainly didn't end up so well for his brother. Nowhere does Paul suggest that someone might not be a slave to something. You're either a slave to sin, or you have found freedom from that sin through what Christ has done and you become a slave to righteousness and God. There is no middle ground. This is a, a, a reflecting a similar perspective that Jesus himself gave in Matthew 6. You cannot serve two masters. You will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't do both. But boy, do we try. Boy, do we try. A little side hustle of sin on a Tuesday evening, maybe. A little dabble on a Thursday morning before the family gets up. Being a slave to righteousness is the part that we don't get. Because we've grown up so often with slavery being the negative and self-determination being the highest of goals. People that Paul was talking to could choose to enter slavery. You could sell yourself into slavery to ensure that your debt was paid. You could enter it to ensure your family does not end up with nothing, to ensure that you could still contribute to society so those that you owed didn't also get affected in the fallout. These days, that's, that's not really what happens. There's many ways, there's many ways people can get out of what they owe. And often we, we read about this when people are privileged with this setup to do so. It, it doesn't take much to look around our system and see that you can use bankruptcy as a tool to avoid paying. We see bailouts. We see unsecured creditors losing thousands because of those higher up tweaking the system. We see, we see builders out of work because those higher up have become bankrupt because they've, they've, they've siphoned their money off other places. Collectively, the individuals, we see them losing hundreds and thousands and millions of dollars. But as long as the people at the top are okay, then the system says that's okay. When the, when the newspaper and politicians and banks are saying our employment levels are unsustainable. Our employment levels are too high to be sustainable for our economy. That doesn't seem okay. When people have to lose their jobs to make our economy function properly, that doesn't seem okay. But that's our system. 
And the aspirations of the world mean that's our system. But the aspirations of the world are not the aspirations of God who went to the cross. Because he came to show a different way. The aspirations of the God who went to the cross are the one who exchanged our debt, who took our debt for what we owed, for the wages of sinners' death. And he took that payment, he took that debt from us and for us. It's a real joy working here. It really is. It's a real joy because I get to see the work of people who want to do a system differently. Across the fence, looking through the window, I get to see the work that happens across at Vision West. And before I moved offices down into Gary's office, I got to walk out the door, and every time there was the the picture of Mark and Lisa just staring right in my face with the quote in in Mark and Lisa, there is something Jesus said, Luke 4, 18, about giving the homeless somewhere to live and clothing the naked and feeding the hungry. We were challenged and felt called by that. That call has never left us. Vision West exists because people from this church saw that the way our system is set up isn't okay. That there must be a better way. That there must be sacrifice needed where community was needed. Not individualism, but community was needed. Because the way New Zealand society was set up was going to mean that there was always going to be this need that wasn't going to be met. And so they, Vision West, we... Glen Eden Baptist began to meet these needs. And the needs are getting greater and greater. And I don't think it's a coincidence that as society's success looks more and more individualistic, that the needs of the community get greater and greater. Because the needs of the community are being neglected, they're being forgotten, or they're being ignored. We need to ensure that we grasp that autonomy isn't the goal, that self-reliance isn't the goal, that we are a community. We need to understand that the human condition will always seek to serve something, that we will be slaves to sin or we will be slaves to righteousness. And maybe as we grasp that, we could see that being a slave to righteousness isn't a negative thing, because this is the slavery that we are invited to, a slavery where we choose to enter, where we choose to every day wake up and choose God to be our master, to be our leader, to be the one who guides and grows us. Against the ways that society lives to tell you to be your own master, choose your own destiny, be your own boss, do your own things, do it your way, against all of that. And it is a choice that happens multiple times a day. Multiple times a day we choose to follow him, choose his way, choose to feed and clothe and shelter. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey? What do slaves to righteousness do? What God asks us to do And God asks us a lot. God also gives us a lot because he's given given us himself at the cross and through his spirit.
What do slaves to righteousness do? I'll answer that with a passage from Isaiah 58. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and then remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will will heal quickly. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer, yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noonday. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. You will be known as the rebuilder of walls and the restorer of homes. These are the types of things that being a slave to righteousness invites us into. So will you keep seeking freedom as your master and be trapped in a cycle trying to obtain what can't be obtained without God? He set us free from obtaining what the world says is needed and invites us continuously on a path that leads towards a lifetime, an eternal lifetime with him. But now you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Thanks again for joining with us today. If you'd like to know more information on the church or reach out to one of the pastors, please visit our website www.gebc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day. Thank you.